A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, at arm's length. To the line, Hughes, scores! This existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it one nothing. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic on all platforms. They also have a retail location in Surrey, so be sure to check that out. Zephyr Epic, follow them on all platforms. The best part, and I am so happy I get to say this again, the best part about Zephyr Epic, in our humble opinion, is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... From Sycamoose to Stag Harbor. From Sycamoose to Stag Harbor. You don't know how much I miss you in your voice, Faber. Uh, Stag Harbor, by the way. Yeah, tell us. Fogo Island in Newfoundland. You're just making stuff up. Nope. Fogo Island in Newfoundland. 165 is the population. Wow. Of Stag Harbor, which remarkably, and I don't even know what this really means, but 91 of those 165, so a majority of people living there are in what's called private dwelling, which I don't really know what that is, but that's what Stag Harbor is all about. And if you live there, you can, uh, yeah, Zephyr Epic will deliver to you right there into Stag Harbor. I'm waiting for the day that someone from one of these crazy places like Stag Harbor is like, actually, Zephyr Epic said they won't ship to me. <laughs> nah, they got you covered. I'm in private housing. They don't. They don't let me. I don't. I don't know what that is. We private dwelling. Be. So private like, dwelling. to we me, that sounds like they're that. in a cave. <laughs> like, I don't think that's <laughs> what it is. But to me, it sounds like there's most of people who live in Stag Harbor are living in caves. Is that what that really means? I don't know. They're Canada in private Post dwelling. Guys like, I don't recognize any of this. I got three tidbits of information. I didn't look up what private <laughs> dwelling is. 
That's right. That's uh, old school reporting. That's what we do best. That's good enough. Yep. Good enough. All right. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. boy. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Quadrelli. I am so happy, so pleased. No disrespect to Harmon Dial or Patrick Johnson. Well, first with PJ, you are quieter now. You are not yelling like I know that he said PJ that you made me insecure. Yeah, you're a little bit. I can normally I, I can hear you really clear. But yeah, you're, you're being a little bit quieter on the mic. <laughs> PJ, PJ wrecked you. Yeah, PJ hurt my feelings a little bit. Yeah. It's a little bit of disrespect to Patrick Johnson, sure. actually. Uh, but my name is David Quadrelli. I am extremely pleased to be joined once again uh, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Yep, I am uh, uh, very glad to be back. Um, been a heck of a week. Uh, for people that don't know, I lost my stepmom last Wednesday, uh, went immediately over to the island to be there for my family uh, and my dad specifically to be there with him. And uh, yeah, it's been a heck of a week. Um, it's going to take a while to to get back to normal life. It's well, life will never be normal after after that. And it was a heck of a week. Um, it's been a really good feeling to like come back here to Vancouver and keep busy uh, be able to do regular things that I did in my life before that kept me so busy all the time. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to, to get back on the pod here and stuff. I've like, man, I tell you, I've grown a lot. I've been like forced to grow a lot over the past week and it's been good. It's been really, really hard. Uh, I appreciated everyone reaching out. Uh, I know I didn't answer everyone, but I did read everything one night. I went through about 200 Twitter DMS or whatever it was. And, uh, a lot of them meant a lot and a lot of people that reached out who were in similar, like a lot of the people that reached out were in similar situations where they just lost a parent. They just lost a girlfriend. They just lost, uh, you know, anybody, family member so close to them. So to read those for people to be strong enough to, to send their support that way and let them know about their stories. I thought that was incredible. Uh, and without that boost, I, it would have been really hard for me. It might've broke me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, do things and get back to regular. I'm going to need to work on myself as well. I'm going to uh, going to go to therapy and going to, you know, seek professional help because I think I need that. Uh, but I one of the things I've also found is that like I uh, so I, I have like I think I'm a very addictive person, which is really good in certain things because i you know this quads like i wake up and i'm addicted to work like i never had to even like set alarms to wake up to watch all those pod colson games like i my brain was just so addicted that it it was like 245 and my brain would say okay you need to wake up right now and i'd wake up and i'd watch those games and clip those things and little things like that or it was great to keep my mind busy and that's what i'm looking forward to doing again now getting back to normal and just keeping my mind busy again because um yeah, I yeah, I've learned a lot about myself and it's been really good to uh to get back to this and even like you know, I, I wanna make it good, I wanna have a fun episode, so like I need to laugh a little bit. I hope people are taking it bad. Like I, I am doing good. Uh I'm struggling with a lot of things, but I'm doing good. But it was nice today even picking you up and having you be late and you know, other other little things like on the way over to, to you know, walk in and, and see your no no and see him and chat with him and just all the regular things that we've been able to do. It was nice. I even, what did I say on the way over here? I got cut off by a car on the way in and I was like, you know what? Like I even appreciate bad drivers now. Cause it's like, that's something that's going to make me feel like I'm getting back to, to regular life. So 
yeah, this is going to be really good to, to do the pod. We had a great chat with Jack Rathbone. He's going to be on the show today. Uh, and uh, ever since I've left, the Canucks have won every single game, which is wild because last thing about my stepmom was like, she always was so positive about the Vancouver Canucks. And I was looking back at messages between me and her and I'd be like, no, nah, they're not going to come back or no, nah, they're not going to do this or no, nah, they're not going to do this. Cause I <laughs> had a beaten interview. But she was always so positive about this team. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to, to see that, that, uh, that they've been playing well. I'm not saying that that's because of her or, or anything like that, but it's just been, uh, it's been a nice little tidbit on the side. I guess it's been kind of fun to smile about because yeah, it's been good to, it's been really good to get back to things and smile a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'll leave it there. Let's uh, we got a lot to talk about. We're coming off of a seven, one win here where the Canucks were just ridiculous to watch, but that uh, maybe not ridiculous. in in that aspect, just watching the coyotes, they were, <laughs> that was not a good hockey team that they played the other night, but they took care of business and, uh, Keep continuing on to a playoff spot. Where are we starting here? I I know that there's a lot to talk about, and I think, well, I know what we're going to start with, so let's start with, ever since I've been gone, what the heck has happened here with Alex Chason, who has taken a lot of heat from both of us here on this show, and I haven't I haven't been able to watch a ton of their games over the past week, but now everybody loves Chason. People are asking about statues. People are asking about Ring of Honor. Like, what's what have I missed here with Alex Chason? Basically, Alex Chason has made Brock Besser expendable. No, I'm just kidding. But Alex <laughs> Chason has played some very good hockey since you've been gone, and it, we were joking about this on the car ride over. I got to update you on everything that you missed because you, you kept up like you kept up. But, you know, you didn't watch every game front to finish who would uh, expect you to. But it was nice to watch games and just like not look at uh, natural stature. Yeah, like <laughs> not look at natural stature every period and not like go back and rewatch games. I literally just like watched and just took it in. So that was kind of nice, too. And yeah, so the chase on thing, here's the thing, like I the way that I saw the other night when he scored two goals there was like, oh, yeah, he's doing the things where he goes and stands in front of the net and somebody puts the puck on his stick. But you were telling me on the car ride over here that, like, he's actually playing good at five on five and, so, like, yeah. you know, skating well, getting in holes on the boards. Because that's what I always thought at five on five is more just a floater who had those things on the power play that were good. But, yeah, what what has changed with Chase on <laughs> that everybody loves him now? So here's the main thing that we've noticed, and Harmon and I talked about this a little bit. Uh, the Canucks power play has been, like, I think they're up to ninth best in the league now, and I think their percentage is, like, 22%. Their, um, their performance lately has been dramatic. Like, the increase in, in power play success has been dramatic, and one thing Harmon and I noticed, mostly Harmon, but once he pointed out, I really started to notice it, uh, was just that Chase on is now, instead of standing in front of the net and just providing a screen, he's now opening up to the side of the net as a passing option, which means the defender has to back up a little bit to respect that, which means there's more space for Bo Horvat in the bumper position in the Canucks. If you've noticed, have had a lot of success with that play uh, down low to Horvat um, in the bumper spot. And, you know, it's Chase on that's moving that puck to him, right? Like, you know, Chase on's moving down low and um, he's also showing at the side of the net, for example, and that allows JT uh, to move down low and then get that puck to Horvat. So it doesn't always have to go Miller to chase on to Horvat. Uh, now there's the option of chase on opens up the side as a right-handed shot. He's at the right side of the net, obviously. Uh, they have to respect that, uh, that cross-crease pass. So now there's a little bit more room for Bo Horvat. So that's helped a lot. So 
chase on moving has helped a lot. And, and Chris, what's the main thing that you and I talked about when this power play was sucking so hard? It was that they weren't moving. They yeah. were too stagnant. And we look at a power play like the Oilers, where they have about four or five set plays. Uh, everybody's rotating. They're able to get the puck to anybody, and basically anybody's able to do anything on that power play unit, right? And that's what we've seen more from the Canucks lately, is we've seen them do that movement. And Chason's been a big part of that. And you're, like as you mentioned, he's also scoring at 5-on-5. Five five. He looks like a player playing for a contract next year, and that's exactly what he is. I think the interesting thing about that and what you bring up there is like, so Pedersen, when he's on the right side there, for basically all the se- like all year long, it's kind of just felt like the only thing from the right side is Pedersen's shot. But now I think what's happening with Chase on the thing that I've noticed anyways from just watching is like he's opening up to that side, like you mentioned, and you and Har mentioned that creates another option where there was only one thing that was coming from the right side of the power play, and it was Pedersen's shot. Yeah. But now Pedersen has the option to make that pass, and it's good. It's good to have options on the power play. Like that's something that maybe it took us. Well, I don't think any of us were able to realize that that we talked about movement so much, but a big thing is just options, yep. like having different options that work. And I think that's what's working right now. You'll see teams probably adjust to that, and maybe that gives more space for Pedersen. Then maybe you need to find another option that helps. But it, it just seems like the more options that the Canucks have on the power play, the better it looks. And it, like we talked about movement so much, and I think the options come from the movement. But to me, it's more about the options now than the movement, I think, because now that you see when there's different options to score, it's giving them much better looks on the power play. And you could see that over the past couple of games here is like they were really good. Was it San Jose? They were really bad against those Is that the game. They were like, oh, for seven or something. It was something bad. Like yeah, that. it was something really bad. But then the other games like the power play is just re- look ridiculous. They've it's- been able to I don't want to say that they've been able to like get set up easily because I think that's still a little bit of a struggle. But once they're set up. Those added options that are coming right now with just a tiny bit of movement from Chase on, like the littlest amount, like he doesn't even have to give much effort, but it's changed like the look so much of things. And yeah, I've been I've been impressed at that point of view. But OK, you got to go back to the chase on thing like you like him at five on five. Now you were saying, yeah, he's he's producing at five on five. He's producing more than Brock Besser was at five on five. Uh, and I think that's where people start to really realize that. Okay, this guy's actually having a pretty good stretch run here. And obviously the raw point totals are great, but to be doing it at five on five, and and yeah, I know he's playing with JC Miller. Um, but hey, you, you have to give a guy credit, right? Like he's playing for a contract next year, and uh, there'll be an article dropping Saturday morning on Canucks Army by Noah Strang uh about which UFA you'd like to see the Canucks bring back. That's a conversation that you and I'll have at a later date, I'm sure. But early returns, I, I think it's Chase on, right? Like if you can get him at near league minimum or a contract that's completely variable uh, what is it like 1.21 or 1.25 i'm not exactly yeah, sure 1.125 i think yeah around that number if you can get a contract that's completely variable for chase on you have to sign that deal right like you have to bring that guy back you see i haven't been watching the way you guys have i'm still gonna take a little bit more convincing okay but i think to a certain degree it, it is a nice fourth line option he's actual depth right yeah. like he's actual depth and the bar's kind of low yeah, if you can find somebody in your depth who can bring something to the special teams in the way that it's looked of late, maybe this is just a hot streak. Like that's maybe what's what's different for me and a lot of people watching really closely and haven't taken a step back or anything, just been fully invested in the Canucks. Like I I still need to see a little bit more. I'm not gonna let this little week away that I went that I had let me fully just dive into what you guys are saying about Chase. I need to see a little more. Like I need to see a little more, but uh, yeah, I think at this point 
you could see him next year on this team, and, and that's what he's playing for. It's not like he's a player who is going to sign anywhere. He's done it three times on PTOs. Like, there's something about Chase on where he's still playing for just the opportunity to have a contract. I, I don't know what exactly it is. I think it's the five on five play. I don't think he moves well at five on five, and I don't think he brings much on the board work at five on five either. <laughs> Buddy, he's been good on the boards too. Yeah, like he see, has been, yeah. and, and you'll see it. You'll see it. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to like be like watch the games, but like he, <laughs> I will he legitimately has been good on the boards. Like yeah. he's been. He's been hard on pucks that we haven't seen him be hard on before, right? Like, I think you and I were in total agreement on Chase on, right? About, okay, well, he doesn't really hustle on the four check because he's physically not able to, but he's been making really smart plays, like closing out breakout opportunities, right? Like, you know, whether that be going along the boards and jumping against the boards to stop a breakout attempt along the boards, like... He's been really good. Like he's been good in all areas of the ice, and it's kind of weird to see. Here would be this is my question then about Chase on for next season is yeah, he looks good at five on five when he's playing with JT Miller. Totally. But does he look good at five on five when he's back in a fourth line role? That's the that's right? the main question. The You're way right. the lineup has worked, yes, he's been given an opportunity to come up, and maybe that's a guy that you know, can be in the AHL that you can call up and play in your top six in a massive pinch. Maybe he's a better option than Sheldon Dries or Will Lockwood or Sheldon Rempel or even like Justin Bailey. Like maybe that that's the boost that he has to your lineup is he can play in a top six, but I don't know. I I don't know if he can be an everyday fourth line guy at five on five. (laughs) Could you, would you have believed me at the start of the year? When we were talking about Alex Chase, I was like, you know what? By the end of the year, we're going to talk about him being a potential top six call up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I I don't believe it. So, like I said, I uh, you yeah. keep watching. You keep I'm gonna watching. keep watching. I'll keep. Uh, I'll, you know, it's been nice to dig back into some more like more deep numbers and stuff like that to understand things. So I'll keep doing it. I'll keep giving you a chance. But uh, I've said too much in the year on Alex Chase on <laughs> in a in a non positive way. Look, that I'm ready to walk it back. I'm ready to see I was wrong about Chase. Really, yep, you're at I'm that ready. point. Yep. I'm ready. I'm ready to eat my words on okay. that. So I got to watch more then. You, you better keep playing good. He's then. legitimately been good. Because you know, like this, yeah, the last week is just like it's not giving me the <laughs> like the vibes yet. Well, because because the thing is, and, and this was you and I when he was scoring earlier in the year, and you and I would hear it from every group chat we're in. Um, we would say like they were lucky goals. Like they were like, yeah, yeah he's standing in front of the net and it bounces off his well, knee or something. Like it was Pedersen putting it directly on totally. his blade. He didn't totally. even have to move it. it just, but like that JT Miller one where he did put it on his blade, Chason buried that. But and night. not even just like making the play to bury it at the end. You could see Chason be smart yeah. enough to like have that really good direct movement towards the net. So like I'll give him like you have to give him credit for that. Him and Miller were both aware of what they were going to do and how they were going to make that play happen. And Chason was the one moving to get himself into that spot. So absolutely, if he plays like that, absolutely he can he can be around next year. Sometimes half the battle is being smart enough to play with good players. Yeah, right. Like, Very true. Yeah. Look no further than a guy like Alex Burrows, who was just really smart mm-hmm. and was really. But really was willing to, to work too. Totally. Like totally. He, you have to work, and I think that and maybe Chason has been in the last two weeks. Sure, <laughs> sure. But that's like that's to say, if you can get that type of not even production, but just that type of play in a fourth line role, I have all the time in the world for Chase. I just haven't seen it in the fourth line role, which is where he should be. Fair. I just if he can do that and these type of things on a fourth line, hell yeah, absolutely, I'm there for it. Is Alex Chase on the next uh, Alex Bros up now at Canucks Army? No, don't. <laughs> All right. The <laughs> other thing you me. missed, uh, 
Vasily Podkolzin. Well, that's the, you know what? Playing I, so good right now. Really good little transition there because that's the thing that also was annoying about Chase Hunt was like we wanted to see Podkolzin play the net front. And uh, did I see that in a couple games? He has been. He's been on PP2 and he's been doing a good job. Yeah. So he's, did I see him on PP1 though at one point? Like were they rotating Chase on and Pod Colson during uh, one of the games? Not that I remember. Okay, it might have just been I don't like, watch Pod Colson as closely as you do, so maybe yeah. I missed it, but yeah. I, not that I recall. Putting up a picture of him as a four-year-old the other day <laughs> when he scored his second goal. Uh it's good to be back and doing memes again. I, that was I, nice you took that off your mantle, your fireplace. Yeah, I took a good little picture there and uh, put it up. No, it's yeah, Pod Colson's been unreal, man. It's been so great to see. He was already starting to look good um, before I went away for a bit, but then even just like continue to hear people talking about him and say how well he was playing. The production was just starting to come around, and then for him to get two goals in the Arizona game, like those those games against a team that's like bottom of the league and like really bad players like that who have been playing so well deserve to get a couple goals in that game. And you kind of saw it from both. Like Chase on, you mentioned he's been playing well. He gets a couple goals. Pod Colson looked great too. And he scored a couple of really nice goals as well. And I know that the talk around him has been so incredible. Like Horvat mentioning that, you know, he's on the ice 10 minutes before everyone. We see that at practice. Like it's, it's not him just saying that like Pod Colson is the first guy out there all the time. Him and Huglander like throughout the season. And when we were at practice and stuff, how often did we see them be the first two on the ice, just you know, working work, on one timers, working on things around like the offensive zone and one timers. Yeah. And, and then they'd stay out forever. Like that's the type of player, man. Pod Colson is going to be like to see him just continue to grow in the NHL. He's not even like near an ending point at this, at this rate right now to see what the ending point that he was able to get to in the KHL, like the way that he finished, if he's able to do that in like a two, three year stretch in the NHL, he just keeps getting better and better and better. And now, yep. is it 13 goals on the year now for yep. Pod Colson? Yep. Like, he's going to continue to roll here. I think it's just been excellent. Like, I think the over-under for a lot of us was kind of set around 12. And he's already crossed that, which is great to see. And he's continuing to play his best hockey when the games are most important. That's what Pod Colson's always done. That's what I've been saying forever about Vasily Pod Colson is when these important games come, that's when he's going to play his best hockey. And you're seeing it right now when the team absolutely needs a guy to like step up when you're missing Brock Besser, you're missing Tanner Pearson. You got freaking chase on playing in your top six. This is when pod Colson steps up and he has been stepping up. It's been so great. Cause I knew this was going to happen. I didn't think it would be in year one, but already like way ahead of schedule for his development path. And that's really good news. Cause you know that he's going to continue to grow. So I think he's been excellent the last few weeks here and, and look great kind of getting those two goals and being rewarded uh, against Arizona. Perfect transition here because we're going to go to a break. And on the other side, we're going to run our conversation that we had yesterday with Jack Rathbone and something Jack Rathbone said in that interview was the prospect of Vasily Podkols and joining the Abbotsford Canucks and them getting healthy called it a scary looking lineup uh, that the Abbotsford Canucks are going to have for yeah. the playoffs. Uh, obviously, Nick Patan's going to be joining as well. Will uh, Lockwood. Will Lockwood, you exactly. you got Spencer Martin rolling still down exactly. there. And yeah. they're pushing for a spot. You'll hear that in the interview coming up here, uh, talking about uh, how they're trying to catch the Bakersfield Condors. And I, I was going to – I showed up for the interview because I wanted to thank Jack. He was one of the one of the players that reached out to me, uh, sent me a text. His dad also, Jack's dad. Um, sent me a message as well on Instagram, I think, or, or something. Uh, and to hear for that was great. One of the best guys in this in this organization in hockey. And uh, actually, yeah, him and Aiden McDonough, another person who reached out really fast as well. And we talk about that in the interview here. But uh, with Jack coming up in a second, it's 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 been we had a lot of fun in the interview. But you guys, 
I wasn't going to be on the interview. I don't want to hear it. I was coming back, and this is like my first day back in Vancouver. But I wanted to get back to regular things and see you guys and see everything. And then about, I don't know, not even five, ten minutes <laughs> in the interview, I'm like, you guys aren't asking them fun questions. You guys don't know what you're we talking about. There. You guys we don't watch there. AHL games like I do. <laughs> so true. I was like, I, I think it's so halfway through the interview, I jump in and have a, have a little bit of fun with Jack. Really, so really saved it. Yeah, you could say that. So <laughs> we're going to throw to an ad break right now. Uh, and then on the other side, you'll hear from uh, starting with quads and harm with Jack Rathbone. And then I'll jump in in a little bit. So uh, quick little ad break. And then we'll get to our interview here with Jack Rathbone. And before we go any further into the episode, want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there at Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. All right, guys. Very pleased to be joined now by returning guest, friend of the show, Jack Rathbone. Jack, how's it going today? Good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're very excited to have you back on. Just just wanted to ask you about your season in Abbotsford as a whole so far. Like, you know, you come into the year, you make the team out of camp, obviously, and then you go down to Abbotsford and you're kind of the guy in Abbotsford. How have you kind of adapted to the challenge of that and just, you know, what you've made of your year as a whole in the AHL this year? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think it's um, a lot of, a lot of that goes uh, just to the environment that we have down here, the, the coaching staff, the group of guys we have. And um, the fact that we've, put together a pretty good season, obviously punching playoffs and stuff. So I think um, it's been a lot of fun and hopefully continue that leading in playoffs here. And for you personally, like, like what did you learn from your time in the NHL? And was there anything that you took away from it that you were actually able to go down to the AHL and say, okay, I'm going to go work on this and I'm going to get better at this. Yeah, I think uh, obviously proving a lot to myself, you know, making the team out of camp and then, um, Obviously, no one ever wants to get sent down, but I think uh, I think it was pretty good for me in my game, just being able to come down here and work on some things. And um, obviously, kind of went down there with a the plan, uh, talking to the old old management, old coaching staff. When I did get sent down, just coming down and um, you know, kind of looking at it, taking each day with with the mindset that you, you want to work to get back up there as soon as possible. And um, I think I've done that. It's uh, it's been a fun ride doing it. And yeah, you mentioned you obviously get sent down. What's it like being a player who, you know, you obviously got sent down and had a plan from the old management regime. What's it like when there's a new management regime that comes in? Because obviously you've never experienced anything like that before, but what's it like when that's what happens and there's a new management regime that comes in? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's just part of the business of, um, you know, pro hockey, but I, I don't think it changed. What was nice about it is I don't think it changed too much um, just in terms of, what my plan was um, when I was down here. And I think a lot of that was the dialogue that I had with Ryan Johnson and the coaching staff here, um, you know, just to kind of keep me focused. And um, it's obviously been a little bit of a stop and go year with the injuries too. So um, it's been, it's been tough dealing with that, but good to be back and getting to uh, getting full health here. Jack, you've had a really unique development sort of situation where, 
you signed out of the NCAA in uh, around May 2020, and that was obviously right when the pandemic hit and because of various leagues shutting down. You uh, weren't able to get in on a ton of game action, and, and I think we've had this conversation before where perhaps one of the benefits of being able to play down in Abbotsford is the consistent game action and being able to log minutes since you haven't had a ton of game reps uh, over the last couple of seasons. I'm curious how valuable is just that consistency of uh, you're still obviously pretty new to professional hockey, making the jump over from the NCAA. How how valuable has it been just to be able to log big minutes and kind of get those uh, reps in? And, and what do you think that has been able to do for your development and, and just kind of fast tracking it? Yeah, I think like you said, it's been a little bit of a uh, little bit of a tough start to pro hockey, just in terms of the lack of lack of game reps. But being able to come down here and watch minutes and play in all situations and um I think it's been a lot for my game and the the development of my game and um excited to hopefully keep that uh knock on wood hopefully keep that rhythm going here and um bring that into playoffs when you were sent down what was the message from either management or, or the coaching staff in terms of what they'd like to see you continue to work on and, and develop and, and what they're hoping you get out of this, uh, this time in the AHL and, and what they kind of want you to work and, and hone in on. Yeah, I think it's, uh, there's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, honest, obviously I think my, my, uh, the offensive side of my game, I guess you could say is my strong suit a little bit, but, um, I think every, every defenseman always tries to work on their 200 foot game. So I think that was obviously, a pretty big key and and coming down here and be being able to watch some minutes and play in uh, a lot of those uh, situations. And uh, I think I've definitely taken some major steps there. And, um, but yeah, I think, I think the majority of it was more just to kind of come down and be forced to play in uh, a lot of different situations, whether that's both special teams or, um, you know, you know, the last minutes of a period or something like that. So I think, those are opportunities that I, uh, towards the end kind of wasn't really getting up there. And, um, I think they, they saw something valuable in me coming down here and being able to work on, uh, those aspects of my game. And I think it's definitely been good for, for my game, um, you know, over the course of this year. Yeah. And you've been able to kind of, as you alluded to, alluded to defend against top lines, uh, towards the end of games, be there to hold a lead or, or kill penalties and, and, and expose yourself to a lot of these uh, situations that aren't just offensive. I'm curious when it comes to rounding out that defensive game, what does the process sort of look like? It, is it a lot of video work? Um, is it just a matter of reps? And, and what are some of the small details um, that uh, goes into rounding out your defensive game? Because we hear that a lot of uh, defensemen wanting to round out their defensive game, but I'm curious just what that entails, what that process maybe looks like. And, um, and, and in your case, I'm curious to see, curious to hear, uh, where you feel like you've made progress in those areas. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot of it goes, you know, just kind of a dialogue with, with color and ags and alms just, um, through video work and then, uh, game reps never hurt. So, um, and I think, you know, for, for a lot of defensemen, it's kind of one thing I've learned in pro hockey is that it's different for a lot of defensemen that I, I can't play the same way that some, some other defensemen play. And, um, I think 
me being able to use my feet and, uh, as one of my better assets. I think being able to work on, you know, kind of angling guys and uh, stick detail and stuff like that that I can kind of work on in terms of being able to defend at a high level. And um, like I said, I think I've taken some, some big steps there and um, obviously continue to work on it. Jack, you had a scary looking injury not too long ago. Um, thankfully it wasn't as bad as it maybe it looked, but just what's going through your head when you're down on the ice like that? Like, like what, what happened on that play and just what was going through your head? Uh, yeah, it was, Honestly, I not a whole lot. I think a, uh, a scary moment. Um, you know, I'll try. Obviously, I try not to think about it too much. Um, it was uh, something that you know, it's you know, those things happen in hockey sometimes. And um, honestly, I've just tried to kind of put it behind me and hopefully, uh, you know, just rebound from it. And looks like you dodged the bullet a little bit, so it's uh, it's been good since. Yeah, it was a lucky night, and I'm hopping in here. I was just going to stay on the sidelines, but I got to ask some other stuff here. <laughs> These guys aren't asking you the good questions, Jack. Um, your buddy Aiden McDonough decides to go back to school. Did you try and make the push to get him over here? How did the conversations go, and have you chatted with him since then? Yeah, it was uh, – I mean, me and Duns are really tight. So um, I think, you know, I, I kind of went through that same situation and, you know, the opportunity to go back to school or sign and play pro hockey and, I think for, for me, I just tried to put myself in his shoes and, um, you know, we're so tight that I, I, I knew that I, I wanted what was best for him. And, um, he's going to be a really good player for a long time. And, um, I know that the Canucks obviously showed their interest, um, based on the year he had. And, you know, it's kind of tough not to show interest there from a player like that. So, um, I, I don't think I ever really put any, any pressure on him or at least I hopefully I, I hopefully I didn't um but he uh I knew he was going to do what was best for him and his family and um I think he uh obviously it's a tough decision and pro hockey will be there for a long time for him and um I'm excited to see what he does next year absolutely I had to ask because when's the last time like I know you guys played when you're really young together when's the last time you got like you set him up for a one-timer on a power play because I know that's what everyone wants to see in the future here yeah, it was, uh, I'd probably say it was sooner than you guys think it was. We played all the way up until we were 18. So until my, my first, the, my senior year of high school. So that would be, um, right, right before I headed into Harvard, we played for the Cape Cod Whalers together. And, um, I think that, that would probably be the last time we played competitive hockey together. Right on. And I saw, I guess it was over the weekend, over the past couple of days here, Danila Klimovich, uh, the wedding that we saw on social media a little bit. What was, uh, yeah. what was that day like for, to see a young guy like, uh, Danila lock it down there? Yeah, I think everyone was really happy for him. It was, uh, we, uh, we didn't get the, uh, didn't get the text until, until, uh, I think it was a day or two before. So <laughs> it was, uh, short notice, but I think everyone wanted to kind of show their support and, He's uh he's a great kid and obviously we're all really happy for him and uh him and his now wife. So um fun day, a little chilly there on the lake. So I uh I didn't I didn't feel uh I, I didn't feel great for her in the dress because I was freezing the jacket, but um but it was yeah, obviously a fun day and they uh they look really happy together. And who gave Danila fashion advice that day? I saw short shorts, shirt was open. Who gave him the advice that day? I don't know if you gotta trust that guy anymore. 
yeah, I, uh, I, I was definitely wasn't me. So I, uh, I can't take, I can't take ownership for that, but he, um, you know, I think it was, uh, obviously a special day for, for him and her. And, um, hopefully they'll be able to do something, you know, with, if they, uh, if they're able to get family over here, um, you know, head back home at some point, who knows when, but hopefully they have a, uh, a little bit more special of a, uh, an event with, uh, some, some tighter family and, um, some friends. And it was a good weekend for Danila personally. I know he had a goal and assist and, uh, get married. That's a pretty solid, uh, trifecta there the weekend. It could be the Klimovich hat trick moving forward here, but, uh, I guess, what have you seen in his game of late? It feels like there's some confidence coming back. I know it was basically like a month ago. I remember that empty net goal he scored, and you could just see him like celebrate so hard on an empty net goal. Yeah. It felt like that kind of broke a streak for him. Have you seen some improvement throughout the season in uh, in the teenagers' game? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, he's he's still so young, and I think that uh, it's tough in, in a market like Vancouver, um, any Canadian market, I think, people tend to put a lot of pressure on guys, especially him and his age. Um, I don't think people realize that he's, he's what 19. So he, I know if I, if you were to stick me in the AHL, what would that be four years ago? I, I, uh, it's, it's, it's a really tough league to play in. And, um, I think he's, he's done a great job. Honestly, I'm really happy for him and the strides he's taken. And he's a great kid. And, um, I think he's, really bright future for him but uh i think that's that's one thing that i definitely definitely realized and try to talk to him about is that it's uh, a lot of pressure and kind of just uh, i think now he's starting to you know gain confidence with every game and um the way he shoots the puck and how big and strong he is and there's there's only some big things to come for him yeah, no, we see all the raw talent in practice. It's going to be really fun to watch him develop it and uh, in games here. How's the how's his English coming along? He's getting is he listen like understanding some jokes and yeah. things like that now? Yeah, it's actually I think it's really good. Or at least he's starting to take some strides. And it's definitely I know I I uh, if, if it was me on the other end, I think it would, it would definitely be tough. <laughs> um, you know, obviously learning two languages, but he's uh, he seems to be seems to be dealing with it pretty good and um i know Artie was was helping him a lot when when Artie was here and um i think uh he's honestly i think it honestly might be a little bit good for him that that Artie isn't here to facilitate everything and um he's kind of forced into a little bit more english unfortunately but <laughs> it's uh he's been great with it and um definitely getting better Awesome. Well, final one from me before I pass it off here. Um, so you guys are in a push right now. I know that you guys clinched playoffs uh, about a week ago now. It's been. Um, and you guys are getting a chance now to host a playoff game in Abbotsford. you got to kind of chase down Bakersfield a little bit. you got the game in hand. You guys are two points back right now. How important would that be, uh, not only for this group, but for Abbotsford out there, to be able to host that three-game, sort of like a play-in series to start the HL playoffs? Yeah, I think it'd be huge. I think... Um you've seen it the past few weekends, just the, the support that we've been getting and the, the passion that's starting to grow, um, just from the hockey community in Abbotsford. So it's, uh, I think I, we definitely, I know we appreciate it every time we, uh, we bang it out in, um, at the Abbotsford center. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun to play in front of them. Like we, like you said, kind of just trying to chase down that, that home ice. And Jack, just before we wrap up, uh, we've been following Spencer Martin's season. Uh, he's taken big strides this year in Abbotsford. How happy were you, were you for him uh, when you saw him sign that two-year deal? Yeah, I think I, I think everyone was really happy for Spence. He's uh, 
he's been an absolute rock for us back there. And, um, you know, it's awesome to see guys get paid. And, uh, I think he, he deserves every penny he's getting. Um, so he's a really special goalie. And I know I love having him back there, um, to bail me out. So it's, uh, been a lot of fun playing in front of him. I was talking to Curtis, uh, not too long ago about Spencer and, you know, Spencer was in a situation where he came in as the third string goalie and Curtis just said that he never really made it about him and he never really sulked. He never really, you know, brought any attention away from other guys and put it on himself or anything like that. And he was always good in the room. Uh, is, is he a good teammate? And you saw that all year long with him, even when he was in a tougher situation at the start of the year? Yeah, he's. I think he's just such an easygoing guy and such an easy guy to get along with. And um, I, I kind of, you could always see the the quiet confidence that he had, especially, you know, obviously off the ice, but on the ice. I think just he he never looks out of place. He never, you know, looks out of position. He's just so calm and kind of collected with his game that um, gives guys like me a lot of confidence playing in front of him to be able to make plays and knowing that he's back there um, to bail all this out is, is something we definitely don't take for granted. And Jack, uh, just to kind of wrap up here, you guys are going to get a little bit of a boost uh, going into the playoffs as well. Vasily Pod Colson has been papered down. Will Locke would be able to rejoin you guys. Nick Batan, like, and, and not to mention the guys that are coming back from injury uh, on your squad already. Like you guys are feeling confident throughout basically since the year turned over to 2022, but how much stronger can this team be when you guys get to playoffs in a couple of weeks here? Yeah, like you said, it's pretty scary, you know, looking at that lineup um, of what it could be. I think it's uh, just a matter of everyone trying to stay healthy leading up to that and um, obviously make a push so that um, love to play on home ice with a roster like that. It'd be, be pretty fun and, uh, like I said, a pretty scary lineup to face in that first round. So um, it's, uh, it's cool to look at, and I think, uh, you know, we've had a lot of guys step up in, in their absence. So, um a lot of credit to our team, like you said, since kind of the year turned over. So it's been fun. Uh, I know it kind of started happening when you switched to the green jerseys. Like, I got to give you guys props as players, but those green jerseys, <laughs> they've helped, right? Yeah, we. Uh, that's kind of a running joke we got, especially um, since we since we switched over. Just I think we I think we wore the whites against Toronto, and that didn't go great. And then you, we all of a sudden switched back to the greens, and it looks like we're we're hitting the stride again. So. Yeah. It's uh I think it's definitely definitely fun seeing the green when you walk in the locker. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we're excited for playoffs just around the corner here and uh, and just personally Jack wanted to say thanks for uh for reaching out to me. I think I saw your dad reach out as well. I think that's who it was and uh really meant a lot to read some texts like that. So uh appreciate that and we're wishing you all the best of luck. It's going to be some exciting hockey out in Abbotsford, uh, Abbotsford here for a little bit. Uh so we're excited to see you guys run into the playoffs and best of luck getting that home ice here. Thank you. Appreciate it. And a massive thank you to Jack Rathbone for joining us uh, on the pod. Chris, good chat as always with yeah, Jack. Literally, I just was pulling dust off of the microphone there as we were coming back from break. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. Been a while for you. It has been, but it was good to chat with Jack, one of the best. And uh, it's going to be fun. Um, I'm really hoping that they can get home ice advantage out there in Abbotsford for that three-game set. They're going to end up playing the Condors and the first, I keep calling it like a play-in series because it's a weird little three-game set to kind of go into the AHL playoffs. Uh, and you host all three games if you if needed all three. Uh, so it's a best-of-three series. You could win the first two, but the, the higher seed ends up hosting all of them, no matter what. So that would be huge for Abbotsford. 
little three-game series. I know they're pushing for it right now. I'll definitely uh, be keeping up with my AHL squad here in the next little week and keep everyone updated on uh, on if we're going to have some playoff games that early out in Abbotsford. And then if not, they got to win that series. You'll get home games after that for sure. So good stuff from Jack there. And I know they're excited to uh, to get that AHL squad together and, and get into the playoffs and get rolling because it's a hot team. And he mentioned it. When you add these players back, whether it be, you know, Vinny Arsenault coming back from injury, uh, guys like Justin Bailey potentially coming back, Nick Patan coming back, like there's a lot of really talented players, really talented AHL players that are going to be a huge boost to the Abbotsford Canucks team. And we talked talked about him earlier on the episode. You get Pod Colson down there killing penalties, playing power play time, just a big boost for him going into next season. And man, now that I think about it, like the way that Pod Colson's playing right now, like, is there a good chance that he's the best player in the AHL playoffs when you get to that point? Like, seriously, like the Absolutely. way that he's playing in the NHL and creating and getting offense and like to give him more minutes and more time and more special teams like he could be the best player in that series, which Absolutely. is great news for a guy who's 20, 21 years old. For sure. And like I said, like, you know, the AHL better than I do, but. From what I've seen, he could be the best player in the AHL playoffs. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. It would be that's going to be a lot of fun to see uh, see that get rolling out there. So uh, good stuff from Jack as per usual. Yep. Okay, let's get to our poll question. For those that haven't heard, Bo Horvat, uh, recording this on Friday afternoon, early afternoon. Uh, Bo Horvat not at Canucks practice, uh, ruled out for Monday's game against the Dallas Stars. Not a great sign. Um, there's a chance he's out. Longer term, Ian McIntyre of Sportsnet kind of alluded to if it's a break, he could be out for the playoff race. Uh, if they make the playoffs, he could still be out. We really don't know uh, what it is with Bo Horvat yet, but ruled out for Monday's game. Not a great sign day to day right now. So our episode 254 poll question brought to you by locally owned Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com and use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of the absolute best pork rinds that come fresh out of your microwave or air fryer. Go check out atlasgds.com. Canucks just had their gender equality night. Uh, This is a locally owned, proudly female owned company. Yeah, excellent stuff. And says uh, that on their website. We've met the owners a couple times now, and extremely uh, nice people, really good people as yeah, well. Right so, out of Surrey. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, to the poll question here. Yeah, I gotta read it. I didn't even read it yet. Okay. Sorry. Do you still believe in the Canucks chances without Bull Horvath? Obviously, we're alluding to playoff chances. Twenty-eight uh, percent of people say yes. Thirty-eight percent leading the vote say no. Nineteen percent say I never believed, and fifteen percent. Say, I'm angry. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to to think that this team, like anything that's going to be bringing them down, they've seemed to be able to overcome over the past little bit. But losing your captain, a guy who's that important, and a center who's playing in a top-line role, like, yeah, that's going to be a tough thing to overcome for sure. It's You look at the center depth, you can, I guess, have the option now of moving Pedersen back to center. He's been so effective at the wing. He has, but uh, another good news, at least from the sounds like for me and McIntyre as well, tweeting this out that Highmore should be back in the lineup for Monday. Well, that'll save everything as well, but <laughs> as well as Brock Besser being exactly. a potential return, right? And and if Besser comes back, then you can move Pedersen to center. You can put Besser back on that line there. It, it is going to help for sure. But losing Horvat is going to be massive if that's the case. And you hope for the best with him. But like you said, from all the sounds of it, doesn't sound great. And I'm sure we'll learn more in the next couple of days here about Bo Horvat. But I don't know. 
without him, it's going to be tough. But the way this team's been coming together as a group, it, it is hard to knock that and, and you know count anything against them right now. They've been playing ridiculously good hockey of late, and the most important time of the season is when they're coming together. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I have completely broken the chance of playoffs, I guess, at this point with, with the way that this group is acting and playing. So my vote would go with, geez, uh, like, I, I guess you still have to believe. I'd say yes at a certain degree. Like, it's it's just the team playing so well together. One yeah. player like this, if you get some players back, maybe he isn't that long-term, you hope. Uh, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens for sure. It definitely is a knock on the team. It's a big, huge loss. There's also a chance that they rally around this, though. Kind of like a let's win it for Bo uh, mentality. So we'll have to see what happens. I quickly wanted to get this in because at Canucks practice today, Bruce Boudreaux was mic'd up uh, for sponsors, and it was I believe it was an open practice today uh, at Rogers Arena. For Did guests. see some tweets this morning of people uh, in there watching it. So, yeah, I guess yeah. it was an open So <laughs> iMac tweeted this out. Uh, Boudreaux mic'd up for practice, open to sponsors and guests, and he's not happy with the Canucks at the moment, which could be interesting. Uh, next tweet from iMac. Boudreaux ends for checking drill, calls team together, says that didn't go as well as I'd like chuckles in the crowd so i'm i'm curious was boudreaux mic'd up and it was playing on the sound speakers yeah that because that's hilarious geez we if, you know i would have tried to practice to miss we, yeah we should have been at this one uh if this was the case instead of here recording yeah that's that would be strange that's content man i feel that's like content. the maybe the like somebody was there with the mic ready to drop darn over any time yeah. he dropped an <laughs> f-bomb because we've seen him at practice when he's fired up would have been hilarious for them to have like a mute button that also played darn at the yeah, same time. Get a dump button. They yeah. had Boudreaux in recording darn frick. Yeah, it's morning. like a seven second delay <laughs> like we do how like we have at Sportsnet there. Like oh, man. that would have been hilarious. So yeah, that's that's and cool. There's more. So so Boudreaux said to the players, I understand fatigue. Our minds were somewhere else. Let's wash away today, but tomorrow, come ready to practice full bore because we've got the biggest game of the year on Monday. And Chris it is hard to disagree that the biggest game of the year is Monday against Dallas. There's potential for bigger ones later down the stretch. We've looked ahead at the schedule a bit. We'll get into that in a future episode. But Monday against Dallas, that's a, that's a huge game for this club. Yep, it's got to be that. Basically, every game for the rest of the year for this team. It's it's good to have this team play exciting games, obviously, this late into the season. And with a few days off here, like no games on the weekend, it almost it sets you up to just get yourself as psyched up as possible for this game here that's coming up on Monday. And it's going to be a massive one. I think it's like a 7.30 start as well. There's just a lot there for the Vancouver Canucks to make this the biggest game of the year. There's a lot of things that they can build on, whether it be how good the team's playing of late, potentially the loss. Well, it sounds like for sure the loss of Bo Horvat for Monday's game anyways, but you might be able to get some bodies back and be able to rally around it. But yeah, massive game. We know that standings are like Vancouver's chasing Dallas. They're chasing LA as well. Like there's... There's a route to do it. It just it's going to take them to take care of business. And I know, even hearing Boudreaux talk about it in recent weeks about like, oh yeah, but like I went on this twelve and one run with Washington, I believe it was to get into the playoffs. And I was like, yeah, that would be crazy if he did it again. And it's like it's it's like it's almost happening again. Like this is a guy who's been around the NHL and understands it. And to have this type of coach be the guy leading this group of players, it's it is incredible to to think how important Bruce Boudreaux has been. And, and I feel like the last time we recorded, we were talking about the future of Bruce Boudreaux with this team. He keeps this up. Like I don't know how they can get away from him. If they make it to the playoffs, you got you cannot run the risk. And we'll talk about this, I'm sure, uh, later later dates as well, yeah. but you cannot run the risk if you're the Vancouver Canucks. You simply can't 
of Boudreaux doing this, and when I say this, turning this team around, getting them into the playoffs. If that actually happens, sure. you can't run the risk of your fan base loving him and you know the Bruce there it is chance, all that sort of stuff. You can't run the risk of actually making the playoffs here. Then you come back next year with a new coach and the team is slow out of the gate. You even, can't run that risk. Even if they get really close and they just pull off this thing at the end of the year where they can be proud of how they played at the end of the season, I don't think you can because like think of the the leaders that this team has lost with obviously the big free agency of Markstrom, Stetcher, Tanev all leaving. Like now you have a guy who's been able to be the leader that I don't think we saw from a coaching staff prior to Bruce Boudreaux. Like him be able to be a leader to everyone and be able to know how to control not a control, but be able to work with big personalities like JT Miller, like Elias Pettersson, like different personalities, but still both really big personalities. And those are the guys leading your team to have him be able to be that leader for this group. I don't know if they can like how they bounce back from that. It's too much of a risk. Yeah, I think it's too much. Of it a absolutely risk. is. And for a team that's already, we've seen them get crushed from losing massive leaders to the room. I don't think they can get rid of Boudreaux. Like I, I don't, unless Unless they already have the perfect guy set up. And that's or if it. he exercises his option, right? Yep, that's true as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, quickly before your prospect report, quick thing on OEL I wanted to get up. Uh, I posted this article on Friday. It's up at CanucksArmy.com right now. Uh, t- basically talking about Oliver Ekman Larson and how, based on his contract, I don't know if teams around the league view him as a net positive asset. And, you know, the Canucks have made it clear that they want to clear up cap space. And... They want to get rid of their bad money. They did it with Travis Hamanick. Uh, all indications are that they'll continue to try to do it this offseason. Names like Jason Dickinson, Tucker Pullman come to mind. Um, continue to try to move that bad money while also at the same time uh, they do what they feel is like getting better. Uh, you saw that obviously with Hamanick, uh, clearing up some cap space and getting Dermot, who the club views uh, as a better defenseman than Travis Quickly, Dermot, I haven't been able to keep an eye on him, but what's, what's Pretty good. last week? Pretty good. Continue to build yeah. off that good yeah. first week? He's been good. Yeah, no okay. complaints about Dermot. Good. Um, like, but, as just a third line guy, is that still what you're thinking, or is there potential for yeah, top like, four? Yeah, you can see the potential for top four. It's just, historically, he's always struggled against mm-hmm. top four competitions, so I don't think you want to go into next year saying, oh, yeah, he's, he's good, but I also think if they are out of the playoff race at any point this season, you've got to try him in some top four minutes, right? Like you got to try him against tougher competition. Um, he's been fine though. Like he, he's been absolutely fine. So the thing I want to get in on OEL, I think internally the Canucks really value OEL's leadership. I think it's, they value him to the point where, and again, this isn't to rehash the whole don't pay premiums for veteran leadership. They value him to the point where when you weigh the options of what they're going to get for him on the trade market, it's just not worth it, right? Like, yeah, the cap space would be great, but what are you giving up to get out of that OEL contract, right? I think they think internally that he's going to age similar to Alex Edler and he's going to restructure his game similar to how we saw Alex Edler do. Um, Again, they're both Swedish. That's kind of irrelevant to the argument, but the whole point is that Edler kind of reshaped his game in a manner where he was able to play shutdown minutes. He was able to play top pair. Obviously, in the twilight years, had to go down a little bit more. You know, obviously not playing power play time and that sort of thing. But I think they view OEL as somebody who can do something similar and kind of reshape his game. And we've already seen signs of that, right? And he's still got it uh, when he needs to step in and be a power play one option, right? Like... He still got it. He filled in just fine for Hughes. Yeah, he could still move the puck well, too. And, and you know what? Like, 
think we were talking about this on the drive over here was like there was so much worry about him like his hips and his knees or all these injuries and surgeries that he's had that was going to really limit him this year and and his mobility in particular right exactly and i think we haven't seen it like i haven't seen it consistently enough to worry about his skating not being good enough like how often did we see oleo levy in the in the tiny sample size of oleo levy get absolutely burned like i still remember him getting burned by milan lucic like milan lucic being able to have enough speed to get right around oleo levy and go straight to the net we haven't seen that with oel like it hasn't consist it's probably happened a few times this year but not more not enough for me to to know and worry about it so I think that, yeah, you have to just hope that he's going to be able to be able to continue continue on his way of just being able to to develop into a player who can play shutdown minutes, can be a second pairing, can be a guy that does take a little bit of pressure off of Quinn Hughes of worrying about things. And the way Quinn Hughes continues to play and develop and be a better defensive defenseman, get time on the PK, like everything. To me, I like I, I'm going to have to think about this a little more, but I do think that like Quinn Hughes is the MVP from the way that he's been playing a lot. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me to look back at this season as a whole and think of everything and every week, like week by week gone by about the Vancouver Canucks quietly, almost you could say Quinn Hughes has always been there for this Vancouver Canucks team throughout the year when they were bad, when they were good on the power play now on the penalty kill. Like, I don't think it's that much of a stretch to think that Quinn Hughes should be in the conversation, at least for MVP, because obviously you have Thatcher Demko who's been there every night. You have JT Miller, who's putting up a ridiculous amount of points. But to me, like a consistent good play on the back end doesn't happen for that Myers and OEL pairing without having Quinn Hughes be able to really carry the weight and look at the partners he's played with. Like it to me at this point, and I have to think about this a little more, but I've I'm fine putting that out there right now that I my MVP is Quinn Hughes. Wow. Okay, when we have a MVP debate later, uh, we'll have to argue for sure because I think it's Demko. I think it's Demko. I mm-hmm. think that's a layup. Yeah, um, I have time yeah, for. I, it I have time for your argument for sure, and I we'll think, definitely have the argument at a later date. Yeah, and with Quinn Hughes, like that's the thing is like he can be better if you find him that that guy. You know, down the road, if you find him that right D who makes him better, plays a Chris Tanev like style, but as a younger player, you got to find that in the off season. And to me, like I. This is like my my take. I want to like get out there for that too. Is just like I think you need to find two prospects. I think you need to find two right D prospects this off season with all the trade capital that you have, whether it be J T Miller, whether it be Connor Garland, Brock Besser. I don't think it's impossible to find two right D prospects who might be able to play with Quinn Hughes down the road. And then if you find two of them, and let's say one of them works out really well, and he's the right D partner for Quinn Hughes over the next six years. Then if the other guy develops into anything that's decent, he's your replacement for Tyler Myers to play with OEL and help be the guy who's more of maybe the puck mover that can play with OEL or more of the shutdown guy, however you want to play with that pairing. That's why I think the Canucks need to get two right D prospects. You know, I've obviously thrown out a lot of names and we'll cover a lot more names, I'm sure, into the offseason about players that could be available for trade, but we'll get into all of that into the offseason. But that's to me now, like I've been saying it for a few weeks on this show, was that the number one thing that the Canucks need is a right D partner for Hughes. To me, now it's two. You need two of them. And you can do it. You have the draft capital to do it. You need to move things around. You're going to have to see players that you love get traded probably. But to me, that's the biggest thing now. Find two right D prospects that have a potential to play with Quinn Hughes because your your organization is just needs that so bad. 
I agree with you. So to close out the OEL chatter, uh, obviously posted the article, but the main point was just based on his contract, based on all of the factors, OEL is going to be here uh, basically for the duration of his contract, I think. And I think the Canucks are just fine with that. They would obviously prefer if Jim Benning didn't pull the trigger like the rest of us and like every Canucks fan out there. Probably hope that Jim Benning didn't pull the trigger on that deal, uh, especially in retrospect. But uh, Canucks are, I think, okay with what they have in OEL right now. So prospects report to close. Well, this I want to do Chris. one last thing about uh, OEL here. And this is OEL related, but I know you'll like this. It's not a, a perfect stat, but the top plus minus player on the Vancouver Canucks is your man, Tyler Myers. That's right. With a plus 19. And you have to give that pairing props because who would have thought that at the start of the year? Nobody. I did. I did. You did. <laughs> you were the only person of the million and a half people that follow <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks on Twitter that was saying that. So give props to your boy there, Quads. Uh, and I'll do a little prospects report. Have, obviously, you haven't been following it as close as I'd like, but I did dive into it a little bit to see that uh, good news about the U-20 Swedish players that I like. I like Jonathan Myrenberg. I like Lucas Forsell. Uh, both of them getting an opportunity to play in some friendlies with Team Sweden here. Uh, that first game was on Thursday to see them play. They also played on the Friday. Uh, Jonathan Myrenberg had an assist on Friday. Uh, really good like positive step in the right direction for those two to be on the world junior team. Maybe not this summer when they re up the world juniors, that's still going on, right? Yep. The world juniors yep. happened this summer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that maybe not on that team, but maybe the team in, in December, really good news that they are both. Like I, I wasn't expecting to see both of their names on that roster for some friendlies, uh, but to get that chance to play some U 20 games with Sweden, really good for the Canucks two picks from the uh, 2021 draft. there, the Swedish guys and, I, I think Lucas Forcell is the one I think you're going to end up seeing. I do think it helps Myrenberg that he's a right D. And to see him put up a point in the second friendly with the U20 team, really good step in the right direction. He continues to play good. You might see him, might see two Canucks on that Swedish uh, World Junior team, which would be huge because I think if you look at it maybe four or five months ago, you might not expect that. Uh, but they're both trending upwards. So really good for Myrenberg and Forcell there out in Sweden. Get an opportunity with the U20 team. Good stuff as always. Uh, I said I would read the results of the Canucks Army Readers Choice Awards mm-hmm. uh, on this episode, but I think we'll save that. They're still coming week. in too, They're right? Still coming in. Okay. Um, but I think I was going to publish the results on Saturday. All so right. I might publish them on Canucks Army, and we'll just go over them uh, quickly on the midweek episode. All right. Chris, Final thing I want to say okay. before I'm done here. No more. I'm not going to interrupt you. I'll let you do your closeout. But I just wanted to say thank you to everyone so much for reaching out. Um, everything every reply that i got every message or even just people that maybe saw a tweet and and had a positive thought like i felt all of it and thank you to everyone so much like from the bottom of my heart for all the support that's gotten through uh my girlfriend has just been there and just been the most amazing person over the past week she's been there every step of the way for me you know, for me to cry to her, for me to talk to her, for everything. My girlfriend has just been amazing and the family supporting us right now, family coming together. It's been, yeah, without the support, it would have been impossible to do. So from everyone on Twitter to my family members to my girlfriend and and you as well, Quad, seeing you was really good that first day. As much as you annoy me, it was good. Yeah. To see, I was really excited to see you, uh, you and Harm and everybody. So it'll be good to... It'll be good. Everything's going to be good. And it was nice. Uh, really good. I had felt like it was really fun to, I haven't felt this good, uh, you know, 
like going through this podcast, being back to regular stuff. So that was awesome. And thanks to Jack Rathbone as well for, for joining us there. I'll let you uh, do your little, I don't know. You do some stuff. I can't well, remember how you close. I out was going to say, it's good to have you back buddy mm-hmm. because the prospects report when you were gone <laughs> was all right, guys. So here's how the Spencer Martin contract affects Mikey DiPietro and Archer seals. Yeah. Obviously. So also- final thing. So I did. <laughs> so I did listen oh, yeah, to the episode. You only said this on the Patreon. So I did listen to the episodes when I got, some time to myself basically at the end of some nights and then i listened to the most recent one on my ferry back here but i still didn't listen to the kevin woodley interview i skipped the whole thing so woodley i'm sorry I st- even as much as i enjoyed listening to the pod i st- still skipped whatever 25 minutes it was when you guys had <laughs> kevin woodley on the show i wasn't ready for for goalie talk at the time yeah you were like uh I'm already sad. I can't listen to this. I can't listen <laughs> no. to this stuff right I now. I took a hard pass on that. So, but <laughs> Fair I'm enough. glad. But and, and yeah, thanks to PJ and Woodley, uh, I guess, and, <laughs> and Harm and you guys for stepping up and uh, keeping the show going for people. Because yeah, like we good, said, man, good to get things back on uh, back to normal. Yeah, and, and move forward with it. Like we said on all those episodes, we love you. Our thoughts are still with you and your entire family. Uh, just crazy um what happened to you and we're we're happy that you're back yeah um, i love you too man i love everybody that like yeah the love was great i i love everyone for the support like i i've been throwing around the love word a lot lately <laughs> but like i i think when something happens like this you realize totally. that how much you love things and people and support and and everyone so yeah thanks to everyone for that and to you too quad so for good, sure good job keeping canucks army afloat without my articles as well and stuff it was, so it was, it was tough man it i know <laughs> yeah. you showed me the numbers <laughs> you guys need me <laughs> i'll be i'll be writing soon yeah yeah bring that into your uh, contract negotiations yeah. uh okay uh for my co-host chris faber so nice to say that again my name is david quadrelli thank you so much to everybody for listening to another episode of the canucks conversation Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?